The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Careful making wishes in a dark, dark, can't be so Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia and I am joined today by Mike Brown of the Big League Chewing Podcast. Uh, repeat guest, Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, Daniel. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, uh, you know, last time we talked, I believe it was like right before the season started, and um, now we're here talking, and it's like a week left of the season. So uh, I kind of want to touch base with you and see kind of, you know, obviously you're an Angel fan too, but you also kind of take more of a look at the general MLB, and we haven't really on this podcast done that, and I figured uh, you'd be the perfect guy to talk to uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So first off, let's start uh, with the Angels. Um you know, obviously, I, as we talk right now, as you're listening to this, they're, I guess, mathematically still in it. Um, I don't know how much of right. an actual chance you give them. But, um, you know, what are some of the surprises you had with this team this year? You know, some good, some bad. It can be players. It can be just, you know, kind of uh, anything. Yeah, I guess I'll start with the good since it's mostly been been bad. Um, so, I mean, I you know I've been really surprised with uh, with Jared Walsh uh, the last you know the last uh, couple weeks here in September. He's really kind of taken off, um, and he almost seems like a completely different player. Um, you know, I know it's kind of a small sample size, but um, you know he's got like seven home runs. He's batting like three over like over three twenty or something this month. Um, so he's definitely been, uh, a really big bright spot, um, so far, you know, guys like Anthony Rendon, when we signed him, I knew he was going to come over and produce, um, he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but I mean, he's, he's kind of being Anthony Rendon, you know, he's kind of doing, doing what, what he's always done, which has been not really a surprise, but just something that, you know, I, I, you know, you kind of come to expect. Um, I knew David Fletcher was a good player. I didn't know he was this kind of player. Um, you know, I think he's kind of cooled down. He, you know, the first like two thirds, three fourths of the season, um, he was, you know, red hot, but he's been able to kind of maintain that high batting average. Um, he's always hitting balls in play, which is, yeah. which is really, un- which is really unreal. Um, he's kind of just slapping it all over the place. He's super, uh, versatile on defense. Um, I knew he was kind of a good player, but I didn't know he was kind of, uh, you know, if, if there was an all-star game this season, he probably would have been voted in to the all-star game. Um, you know, but other than that, you know, Mike Trout's continue to do Mike Trout things. Um, the bull, you know, going to kind of the opposite end now, things that kind of really haven't, uh, you know, worked to the angels favor, you know, the bullpen has been really, 
really kind of hard to uh, to understand. You know, it's you got guys like Keenan Middleton who, you know, coming back off Tommy John, you thought that maybe we could get some sort of kind of setup role for him this year or kind of maybe a seventh inning role. But I think he's actually been relegated to the to the Long Beach uh, yeah, site Long right? Beach right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's a real, that's a real kind of, um, bummer. You know, he is, you know, still, I think this is his first season back from Tommy John. So maybe next year will be the year that he can kind of, uh, get back to some normalcy. Ty Buttry, uh, is a player that, um, I had high expectations for, you know, the, the thought was last season that Osmus kind of really ran him into the ground and kind of brought him into situations that he wasn't really kind of prepared for, um, or kind of really overworked him. But this season, he just, you know, after Robles got off to a hor- horrible start, they kind of inserted Buttry into the closer role. I mean, he's been okay here and there, but his ERA, I think is around five or six. So it's just been, it's been really hard to get outs. You know, you have these new guys like Milner. Uh, I think Mayers has actually been decent. Um, you know, Bedrosian, I think, being out for a little bit of time, I think was was kind of hurt the team. I've always been a fan of Cam Bedrosian. You know, I wasn't the first few years. I think from about like twenty <laughs> from, from about like twenty fourteen from like twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen eighteen, it was kind of rough with Bedrosian. But I think the last couple of years he's been pretty reliable. Um, you have Noe, who's pretty reliable. You know, he gets rocked every every once in a while. But if you need a few outs, you know, some some chunk innings to be eaten up, you can always count on Noe. But yeah, the bullpen's really been a letdown. And then Otani, you know, I'll cap it off with Otani. Um, man, it's uh, it's been kind of a perplexing season for him. You know, obviously he got off to a really rocky start, pitched an inning in two thirds or whatever it was before he injured his forearm, um, and then he just hasn't been able to find. Um, any sort of consistency. He hasn't been able to get hot at the plate at all. Um, yeah, I, I really, I mean, Madden he has even benched him, you know, I think four or five consecutive games. He's, he's really struggled against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I want to see him come back next season and try to kind of do the, the dual thing again where he's pitching and hitting again. Um, you know, you sometimes I'd like to think that maybe this the shortened season has really kind of like, mess with some guys minds you know like the guy like julio tehran who you know has been getting just absolutely blown up this season and you know you think about him having covid before the season started and not really getting the proper spring training or getting the proper innings to kind of ramp up for the full season um had had an effect on him it seems you know Um, because i know julio tehran is better than a better than the guy he's been so i don't know yeah otani scares me a little bit um you know we're going to be about four three or four seasons in by the time 2021 comes around with Otani um and you know I think the Angels give him another chance to, to pitch and to hit again but after that um the, his role is going to change drastically I think you know it's funny we were talking I think back in January during co- uh, just before COVID and we were kind of projecting the Angels and I was saying that this year would be kind of a pivot year for Otani to figure out which direction he ends up going and whether the Angels just say okay you're our pitcher you know, you're our starting pitcher or or you're going to be our DH or playing the outfield. And, you know, we might be there. I mean, it's right. it's it's weird to say, but, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy as a pitcher. He hasn't been able to find his kind of groove for a real consistent level uh, at the plate. So, you know, I, I wonder about Otani. Yeah, that's something, too, that's going to be one of the questions going into 2021. I think probably the biggest question is, is can Otani be – you know, you kind of see it right now with, you know, a surprise for me would be like kind of like a Bundy, you know, when people 
when that trade happened that Bundy got brought over, a lot of people looked at his time and, and his stats over in Baltimore and weren't expecting a whole lot. But then you get the performances you've had, um, you know, throughout the whole year to where even, you know, I, I don't think he'll win this Cy Young, but the fact that he's even kind of mentioned in that top five, type six pitchers yeah. to be talked about it, I think is a big surprise from what happened or from expectations when he was coming in. Um, and so if Otani could be another one of those type of pitchers next year with a Bundy, with you kind of see Andrew Heaney kind of maybe turning a corner, and then you see Jaime Berea on Friday night, again, going into the seventh inning and doing really well. So, um, you know, yeah, Otani's going to be really interesting next year just to see if, you know, okay, if he struggles at the plate, that's fine. But if he's pitching, he's pitching at a, at a, at a you know, fairly decent level, I, I think that's going to go a long way for just kind of his value for the team. But, um yeah, definitely. That's I think right now, at least on the field players, that's probably the number one uh, thing or storyline going to go into twenty twenty one is Otani and how he uh, bounced back from his Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago and now just kind of a setback this year from pitching because of his, the forearm strain. But um, another surprise I, I, I kind of want to talk about too um, is I, I guess this is a surprise, but probably not a great surprise. Uh, Joe Adele getting caught up, called up, I think, you know, kind of earlier than people were expecting, or at least I was expecting, um, but still has not been able to. He had a great two-home run game, but then since then he's kind of just really struggled, and now you're seeing Taylor Ward take more time away from him in the outfield. Uh, what, what do you think, what did you originally think about when Joe got called up and then kind of how that whole season, uh, this whole season has kind of developed for him? Yeah, when you say that Taylor Ward has taken time away from Joe Adele, if you had told me that, like, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year or, you know, at some point, I would have I would have said you were crazy because Taylor Ward, I've never been high on. You know, he was like a first round pick for the Angels, I think, in 2016 or a few years ago. And, you know, he's just never put it together. But now he's getting, I think, maybe some consistent playing time. And, you know, he looks he looks he looks OK, you know, at the plate. He look he's he's being he's being more productive. He's being serviceable, right? He's being more productive than Joe, which is which is crazy. But you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to take the kind of um, optimistic approach with Adele and think that you know he's still 21. He's still trying to kind of find his way in the big leagues. Um, you know, that first week or two for him was was pretty um, pretty scary to me. You know, the fact that he kind of had that ball kind of glance off of his glove and kind of go in, go um, <laughs> the home run go for a home run in, in Texas. <laughs> Uh, was was one of those things where you can't you just hope that the guy can shake it you know um, and you know he's had some bright some bright spots you know he had that home uh, that game against the Mariners where he hit two homers right. um, you know he's he's took some homers away from people um, he's made some better defensive plays uh, he seems to be taking kind of like some better routes to the ball in the outfield uh, it seemed like the first you know two or three weeks every ball he went back on in the outfield he was getting turned around on right um, the, the read off the bat wasn't great and so he had to kind of make up for it with his speed and athleticism but it still kind of looked uh me and my wife would always talk like whenever there's a, a fly ball to him pop fly or anything like that we always like oh my god oh my god like from the sand lot and then you know obviously he would find his way underneath the ball but yeah it, yeah that's definitely something you noticed right away 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm trying to be patient with him. You know, it's it's funny. I was uh, I, I kind of expected this from him, honestly. You know, there's a lot of um, you know, we knew coming up that there was a lot of kind of swing and miss in his bat. And at each level that he advanced to, there was a little bit of a learning curve. Um, so I'm not too worried. I think the tools are there. Um, you know, I don't think we have like another like Brandon Wood on our hands or like another like McPherson or something like that. I don't think we're quite at that panic point yet. Um, you know, all, you know, all being said, I think I would have liked to have seen him, um, in a regular season, non COVID shortened season, I would have liked to have seen him obviously start at AAA. And I think in a regular year, he probably would have started the season at AAA. Um, but I don't think there's any going back now. I don't think there's any point in ever, you know, even next year sending him down. I think you have to start him next season, um, and just, and just, you know, let him play, um, which, you know. Um, for a team that's trying to contend and trying to, you know, make the playoffs every season, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they how they divvy up the playing time, especially with a guy like Taylor Ward, who's kind of showing that he can play, especially with a guy like Walsh, who, you know, he plays first base, but he has some versatility as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think all being said, um you know, I would have liked to seen a little bit of a better season from Adele, a little bit of more light. But then again, he's 21. Um, I, I want to give him some time. You know, with Vlad Jr., you look at the career he's had so far. He hasn't really gotten off to kind of the the rip roaring kind of like on a tear start that a lot of people projected for Vlad Jr. being kind of like a top prospect. You know, but then you look at guys like um, like Soto and Acuna, who at a young age, you know, 20, 21, 22. Have really just like come into their own and are kind of on this trajectory, but that's not every prospect. You know, right. a lot of yeah. top prospects, a lot of top prospects don't reach their potential until you know twenty three, twenty four. So you know, it might be a couple of seasons till Adele really reaches that potential. And in the meantime, as the Angels are contending and need production out of that right field spot, it'll be interesting to see what 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 um, what they do here because they are going to need some level of production production there um, from that spot. So he's going to need to turn it on sooner or later, especially for this team. If he was a prospect on the, on the Tigers, they'd let him kind of work through his, uh, his bumps and stuff, you know, kind of on his own. But since this is a, this, since this is a quote unquote contending team year in and year out, you know, they're going to have to get production out of him sooner or later. Yeah. And that's the thing too, with Joe is I think because the success of, um, especially Soto last year in the world series on a, on a, grand stage with everyone watching everyone not everyone but i think a lot of people um kind of figure wow he's you know early 20s look at him you know perform and that kind of puts another level of expectation on not even joe but i'm sure other you know outfielders that are going to come up through uh the minors with a top you know rating you know but in reality like you said if, if he hits his stride at 23 24 and has a really productive five six years from there on that you know that's not a bad career that's pretty much what when you project someone to be like you know a top prospect at a certain position that's kind of what you're thinking is five six years yeah. of really good pro- uh productivity and yeah maybe it starts at 23 or 24 but yeah soto acuna those guys are, are are the exception they're not necessarily the rule so i'm not necessarily too worried about joe um going forward obviously i think if it was a full 162 game year uh season and we were on game what are we on like 52 as we record or 53 as we record um i think you would still see joe out there because there is time to work through that there is time to kind of um 
get those at bats and, and not damage the team too much. But when you are in a season where there's, like I said, seven games left or eight games left, uh, and at this point, every at bat matters. And so, uh, yeah, Taylor Ward is taking at bats from Joe Adele. People probably, like you said, never thought they would hear uh, those words. But um, now, kind of moving forward to the off season and next season, Billy Epler contract expires. There has been no real talk out there yet as far as he's coming back not coming back um uh, this should be kind of resolved by the end of the season you know maybe a week or two after the season but i'm asking you as a gm um if you were a gm of the angels what would be some of the things you would really focus on um this off season to kind of take that team or this team to like the next level yeah i mean i think um you know, I'll, I'll, just a few words on Epler first. I think that, you know, he's kind of been given the short end of the stick uh, with this team. You know, he's I think his tenure, um, if to sum up in like a couple of words, would be just like very unlucky. You know, like I think, you know, the pitching, um, you know, was super hurt for most of his tenure. Um, not the kind of pitching staff that on paper we expected to see, you know, endless kind of Tommy John surgeries, you know, whether it was Matt, Matt Shoemaker or Garrett Richards getting constantly hurt or Heaney or Skaggs getting hurt and, you know, unfortunately passing away. Um, you know, it's just it's just been a very, very unlucky tenure for Epler in terms of pitching, you know. Um, people were A lot of people are saying on other podcasts like, oh, Epler has never developed pitching never gotten the right pitching he's never gotten pitching here or there but i think a lot of it has to do with injury you know he's been very very unlucky on that front um but i think a lot of the moves he's made um getting angelton simmons um being the gm to sign kind of mike trot to the long-term deal although you know we have Artie moreno kind of pulling a lot of those big moves but yes yeah, you know if, if i you know if i was to be the gm of the angels i think um the one thing I would do is that, you know, since this is a team that expects to contend and expects to um, kind of win every season and we want to get Mike Trout to the playoffs and we want to contend for a World Series, I think this has to kind of go back to, unfortunately, to kind of the the, the DePoto years and just yeah. trading, trading what you have. You know, I wouldn't trade Joe Adele. I don't think I'd trade Brandon Marsh. But literally anybody else under that, you need to trade them to get pitching. I don't understand kind of, you know, the idea that, you know, we're not the, the Detroit Tigers where we can kind of, um, you know, build up this farm system over a few years because we're not expecting to contend. We can kind of bring these guys up, um, let them kind of have their time. You know, we were just talking about Joe Adele on another team, another kind of like developing team. He'd be given, you know, freedom to kind of play for two or three seasons and really figure it out. You know, he doesn't the, the, the time crunch is harder on him than it would be on another team because because this team has high expectations. So if I was a GM of the Angels, I would be looking at trading away pieces like, you know, Jordan Adams and um, Knowles and Kyron Paris or any of these other guys um, to try to get some sort of controllable pitching. But then again, you talk about controllable pitching, and I was really trying to think the other day. I was like, man, like, what are the realistic <laughs> options for the Angels to get when right. you say yeah. when you say controllable pitching? It's not out there. And and what team wants to give up controllable pitching without giving without receiving someone like Joe Adele or someone like Brandon Marsh? So you know, it's really a catch twenty two. And at the end of the day, you have to think, okay, what are the Angels' big needs you know it's it's starting pitching and it's pitching depth it's right. depth in the bullpen 
and it's just starting pitching depth in general. Um, and, and what is it going to take? You know, is it going to take you know signing Trevor Bauer? to a one-year deal like he's been talking about, although he's kind of gone back on that lately and said that he doesn't mind signing a long-term deal. But, you know, is it signing Trevor Bauer? You know, is it signing Marcus Stroman? You know, I'm not, you know, Trevor Bauer, I think would be a nice pickup, but Stroman, you know, he's kind of, I I think at this point, he's probably just a nice mid-rotation piece. Right. But yeah, I I don't know. You know, it's really hard to kind of say that, oh yeah, let's trade our, let's trade Deshaun Knowles and get freaking, you know, He's not available anymore, but let's trade Deshaun Knowles and Jordan Adams and get Clevenger. You know, I don't know. Right. If, yeah, <laughs> it's not that it's not that easy. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing too. Is is anyone can see the Angels need pitching, bullpen, rotation, anything like that. But the hard part is trying to figure out ways to to get it. And and you can go kind of like what you're saying. Go the the route you're you know trading some of your top top prospects or your upper prospects and try to bring somebody in or you can try to you know what a lot of good teams do try to find kind of those diamonds in the rough find like another bundy type where uh maybe it is just a change of scenery that someone needs or maybe it is a tweak here and there that you need so um you know i don't know how much of the trading type the angels are going to do but i do kind of think and this is where i think epler you know unjustly gets blamed is that with the Harvey, with the Cahill signings, like, yeah, obviously those didn't work at all. But then you also have signings like, you know, Bundy right now, where which was the same kind of deal where it was a, you know, uh, low risk, high reward type of, type of signing. And that's exactly what Bundy is, is doing right now. He's really producing and, again, leading this pitching right. rotation. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they address that pitching uh, you know, gap uh, uh, during the off season and even doing free agency, like like you said, um, Bauer being like kind of the main guy in, in this off season for pitching. You know, does he want to do a one year deal? Does like you said, does he kind of back off of it now? Now you, you know you're going to have way more teams than just the Angels in on them. So now obviously um, the price is going to shoot up, and you might see. I don't think to the number of Garrett Cole, but you're going to probably see some kind of like a bidding war like you did with Cole last year. But um, another question about like going into the off season and, and affecting this team long-term uh, Andrelton Simmons free agent at the end of this year. Um, right. What do you, what are your thoughts about him in the last couple of years? And, and how do you feel about angels possibly bringing him back or not bringing him back? Yeah, you know, when he's healthy, um, I think he's he's a guy that you want on your team. You know, it's just been a matter of, you know, he hasn't been healthy. I, I could swear that, like, he's injured himself on the exact same play, like, two years in a row with that ankle. You know, he's always kind of running down the line and stepping on the first base bag kind of awkwardly, and he's always kind of crumpling into a ball. You know, I feel like I've seen that image twice now. But, um, yeah, when he's healthy, I think, you know, he's definitely worth keeping around. You know, he's got elite defense. Um, and you know, he's been hitting, you know, he's been a serviceable hitter, um, since he's been back from that injury this season. So, uh, I think if it's kind of a qualifying offer and he accepts that, I think you sign him. If it's anything more than like, kind of like a two year deal, um, I think you probably let him walk just because I think we have David Fletcher there, um, that can play shortstop. He showed that he can play shortstop. Um, you know, but then that leaves kind of second base. It's kind of a question mark. You know, is it is it Barreto? You know, I mean, who knows what we're going to get out of Barreto? I mean, he, he's kind of played a handful of games and then he got hurt. But 
Um, then you have Renjifo, you know, is he really the second baseman of the future? So I like the idea of signing, uh, you know, Simmons to that qualifying offer, seeing if he accepts it. Um, but anything more than that, I think I would just let him go. Um, just because I think we have the need, we have, we have, we have people that can fill that need in, in house, um, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And kind of going into the off season, you're going to need priorities, and obviously, like we mentioned before, the priority is going to be pitching 100%. So if, if you can save some money there and, you know, and Fletcher's shown that he can do a, a a really good job at that shortstop position when, like you mentioned, when Simba's missed time, that's been the, the shortstop. So, um, yeah, I, 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 Johnny and I have been in complete agreement with that. It's just, you know, if if it's there and, if, and the price makes sense, then I think you go with it 100%. But if he's, you know, trying to get something four or five years, uh, I think you just kind of let him – you know, test the market and let him see if he can get that somewhere else because, you know, I'm, I'm sure there is a team out there that would love to have someone like that um, playing shortstop for them for the, uh, you know, foreseeable future. But so yeah. we're going to get more into MLB after this. We're going to take a quick break. And like I said, we'll talk more about MLB playoffs and, and rule changes and, and all that stuff. So we'll be right back after this. There is no shortage of action going on with our partner over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer all have resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NBA, NFL, UFC live every day for our devoted gamblers, and check it out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. That's BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Oh, those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Oh, yeah, thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks here into multiple peaks here at Cream of the Quran. Man, start taking notes because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. Oh, yeah. Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce painful nicks and tugs. Yeah, those nicks and tugs are gone. This is their third generation tremor feature in advanced skin safe technology. Oh, yeah. Technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. Yeah, nice and smooth. Yeah, that's right. 
and Manscaped engineering team obsess over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. They spent 18 months, yeah, 18 months perfecting that great ball hair trimmer ever created. The just released new and improved lawnmower 3.0, yeah, the cream of the crop, yeah, too sweet to be sour. Yeah. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last you 90 minutes so you can take longer shave. And that water resistant technology allows you to shave in the shower too. Oh yeah, in the shower after that, after that long match. Oh uh-huh, yeah. One of the coolest features is an LED light that illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. So many people have written in stories about the Lawnmower 3.0 and have sent your man here, yeah. Sent them pictures so I could see the smoothness for myself. And then I'll tell you something, man. They ain't kidding. They ain't kidding. It's a cream of the crop. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off when you use armchair at manscaped.com. Oh, yeah. And we are back. And again, I am joined by Michael Brown of the uh, Big League Chewing Podcast. Um, so on your podcast, you take more of a look at Major League Baseball as a whole as far as, you know, uh, everything. So I kind of want to talk to you about that. Um, some teams that are, I mean, for for what it's worth right now, the teams are kind of set. I mean, you're seeing teams clinch here and there. But for the most part, we pretty much know what teams are going to be in the playoffs. It's just working out the seeding kind of part of it. But... What kind right. of team surprised you uh, this year, um, like getting into the playoffs or making a, a serious push for the playoffs, and some teams that you thought would be in that kind of contention uh, for a playoff spot and just have fallen off completely? Yeah, so I think the teams that have surprised me that have, <clears throat> you know, secured a, a, a playoff spot, you know, it's not so much in the American League. You know, you look at the American League and you see the White Sox, you kind of think, okay, yeah, we expect them to be good. Maybe not this good. Um, they're, they're really good right now. Um, the, the Blue Jays are a little bit of a surprise. Um, they, they're kind of clinging on to the, to the eight seed there in the, in the, in the AL playoffs. Um, but you look at the National League, and it's really kind of a broad mixture of, of teams that you kind of wouldn't really expect. I mean, up until yesterday, I think the, the Giants had the eight seed uh, in the postseason. I think they've just fallen out of that now. Uh, which is really crazy to think that the Giants would be playing in the playoffs. Um, and then you look at the Miami Marlins, who are the second best team in the East and have the fifth seed uh, kind of locked in um, in the in the in the NL uh, postseason picture. So it's um, you know it's it's definitely been crazy. You know the teams like the Dodgers that we knew that were good, the Braves uh, that we knew were good um, are there. You know Cincinnati kind of got off to a rough start. Uh, kind of a really inconsistent start, but have kind of are kind of clinging on to the eight seed in the NL right now, and would place and would face the Dodgers um, in the first round, which would be kind of an interesting matchup, especially if the Reds have you know all their pitching healthy um, and ready to go for that. So, yeah, it's it's been a kind of a wild season, and I think um, there's still some spots left to be uh, determined here as we head into the last uh, real week of the season. Yeah, and so one of the teams that you mentioned, the Miami Marlins, how surprising that is but when you have it seems like when you have a true kind of ace developing in Sixo Sanchez um, I guess that can give a boost to any team regardless of you know I guess your past but uh, another surprising team I, I maybe not surprising but um, you kind of knew it was coming you just didn't know when it would be San Diego, the San Diego Padres and the Angels have seen him a couple times and are going to see him this coming week uh, you know, I think, you know, and I want to know your opinion. I think they're really exciting to watch. I, I love when the Angels were playing them earlier this year. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch the team. And, and then you got people like, obviously, um, 
uh, Tatis Jr. at shortstop. You got, you know, now Clevenger, but they've had a pretty good pitching staff before that. Uh, talk about the San Diego Padres for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that you're right. I mean, we kind of were, you know, expecting them to kind of really have a season like this. It's just that you were kind of skeptical because the Padres haven't been this good in, you know, a very, a very long time, right. probably since the times of like Jake Peavy and kind of, uh, you know, the Harrison brothers and all that. But um, yeah, the Padres have been really kind of turning it on to another level. You know, you have guys like Eric Hosmer, who before he got hurt was actually kind of having a really good season. Uh, Will Myers is having a great season. Um, you know, obviously you have Tatis, who, you know, up until this month where he's kind of stumbled a little bit, um, he was kind of having an MVP type season. Um, and then they went out and splurged really at the trade deadline. They got Mitch Moreland. They got Austin Nola, who we know, uh, you know, from the Mariners, being a catcher from the Mariners. Um, they obviously picked up Mike Clevenger um, and a couple other pieces here Jason and there, Castro. too. They also got right, Jason Castro from the Angels. So, yeah, they, they really went out and kind of, um, you know, outdid themselves at the trade deadline. So, you know, there's the whole Slam Diego thing. They've hit a bunch of grand slams um, this season. They're super exciting. Um, they have probably the, the most exciting kind of young player in baseball in, in Tatis Jr., um, and, you know, Machado is kind of having a good season, too. You know, we were kind of saying that he was a bit overrated now, you know, last season after signing that massive contract. Um, but, yeah, the, the Padres are exciting. You know, they got a lot of young pitching. Clevenger, Paddock, um, this guy, Denilson, uh, Denilson Lamette is really good. Um, and, yeah, their bullpen is the, – the Padres' bullpen, I think, even when they've been really bad, has always been good. I mean – uh, you know, going back to kind of like uh, when they had Houston Street as a closer before the Angels got him, um, you know, Kirby Yates, uh, Brad Hand, yeah, Brad Hand, who uh, was on the team before, uh, I think he's on the Indians now. But yeah, they've always turned out really good closers and really good uh, bullpen pieces. Um, reminds me, there was, uh, who was the closer of the Angels back in like the early 20, um, uh, Frieri. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Ernesto Frieri. Yeah, that's the one <laughs> yeah. uh, that would constantly would, would was blowing saves at the beginning of the year and then that's the year they traded for street at the trade deadline and, and he was able to kind of solidify that at the end or the middle to the end of that that season right yeah but it also it always seemed like the angels were getting bullpen guys from from the padres but yeah so so the padres you know they're they're super they're a super interesting team you know i think um you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a deep push uh, this season, uh, just given the, the the pieces that they have. I mean, they have a scary good lineup, and their pitching staff, I think, is is really um, you know top tier at this point. Um, you know, so. And I think you can't really talk about San Diego without talking about um, the unwritten rules. And they've gotten kind of caught up in it a couple of times this year. Um, the first time being against Texas, um, the whole um, 3-0 Grand Slam, uh, swing, not swing. And then more recently, right. the, the the Dodgers home run off of Kershaw and, and that. How do you feel so much about the unwritten rules and especially how they kind of uh, – affect you know the stuff that they've talked about you know swinging 3-0 or or you know pimping out a home run how do you feel about those kind of unwritten rules yeah I, I think it's fine to break them honestly because the unwritten rules to me um they're so kind of uh vague and kind of gray there's a big gray area with unwritten rules it's like some people think it's like oh it's uh you can't swing 3-0 uh, if you're up six by the seventh or if you're up seven by the six, you know, there's no real like no one has like actual kind of definitions of answers. But if you ask like a big league player, they'd be like, yeah, you you know, it's wrong when it's wrong or something like that. You know, they give you some sort of like they give you some sort of 
generic kind of vague answer that doesn't really make any sense. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, you know, on other podcasts and just in general on Twitter that it seems like the um, the unwritten rules always favor the pitcher. There's no unwritten oh, yeah. rules yeah. That, that really favor the hitter. You know, I can't really think of any that that really favor the hitter. You know, I, you know, it makes me think back to, to, to relay it to the angels. Um, I remember it might've been like 2012, 2013, Eric Ibar, uh, broke up a no, uh, Justin Verlander, no hitter, um, by Bunt. bunting to get, I, I think it, he bunted to get on. Right. And I think in the post game, uh, Justin Verlander was like, Oh, that's Bush league. I don't know why he dropped down a bunt. You know what? Why do you drop down a bunt during a no hitter? And that's another one of these, um, these, uh, you know, uh, uh, unwritten rules where you can't bunt to get on to, to break up a no hitter. And it's just like, what kind of rule is that? You know, right. if your team, <laughs> if your team hasn't, if your team hasn't gotten a hit all day, I'm going to try to get on yeah. base and win this game any way possible, whether that's me dropping a bunt, whether that's, you know, any way possible to win this game. So, you know, that I think is especially one of the ones that's the most kind of ridiculous is not, not bunting during a no hitter because you have to protect the pitcher's feelings or you have to protect like this pitcher going after a no hitter. Like that's so ridiculous. So it definitely skews heavily in the favor of the pitcher. Um, so swinging, so yeah, swinging three Oh for me is definitely fine. Um, you know, Adam Duvall of the Braves when the Braves won, I think like 29 to eight the other week, uh, <laughs> against the, the, the Marlins. Um, I think it was like 25 to, it was like 24 to eight or something like that. And Adam Duvall came up, um, and he hit a, he, he hit a grand slam, um, and to make it 29 to eight. And I wrote on Twitter, I was like, Oh my God, like Adam Duvall must be breaking all sorts of unwritten rules to put his team up, you know, another four runs, uh, when they're already winning by, you know, like three touchdowns. So, um, but, but strangely enough, he didn't get any flack, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a gray area. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's fine to break these unwritten rules. And I think a lot of baseball players are kind of coming around to them too and kind of realizing kind of the phoniness of them. Um, so I think a lot of these rules you're going to see kind of faded out uh, over time. You know, I think a lot of the uh, the coaches kind of still hold on to this and so maybe some of the older players, you know. But um, yeah, like pimping a home run and stuff like that, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, you know, Trent Grisham did that to to, to Kershaw the other day, and um, Dave Roberts took exception to it because it's Clayton Kershaw, and you need to respect the Hall of Famer and all that. And it was like Grisham didn't really like show up Kershaw. Yeah, he kind he of hit the home. Yeah, he didn't stare at Kershaw. He on, the whole time was looking at his own bench, which I thought was the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, he got a little cute with it rounding third base. I think he was kind of like throwing up some like numbers um, and, like on his hands. like, And then he was like, he did like the little league thing where you like tap on home plate with like two feet. <laughs> and I was I was like, oh, man, that's a little extra. But um, that that might get under my skin if I was on the other team, if you're going to like hop on home plate like that. But but then like I'm not going to like throw at his head or anything like that. You know, it's just it's just one of these things. But. You know, I'm I'm fine with with players kind of like pimping a home run and then like turning to their team to like get them amped. But in like the NBA, when like you dunk on someone or something like you get in the player's face that you dunked on, you know, that's just kind of what players do. So I don't know. I think I think slowly but surely MLB is changing. Um, And I think people are players and and fans are kind of getting more used to it. Yeah. And and especially with that one off of Kershaw, I, I remember the Dodgers, I think it was two years ago or maybe three years ago. Um, I think it was Justin Turner hit a home run off a of Bumgarner in San Francisco yeah. and it went in, you know, it went into the McCovey Cove and 
Bumgarner was saying something to him, and then Turner was, you know, chirping back saying, "Go get or go swim for that ball or or something along that line." And now it's <laughs> like, now it's like, oh, now it's not okay. But when you guys are, you know, chirping back and forth, it was cool. So, yeah, I think I think like you like you said, like once the 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 league starts getting a little bit younger and maybe some of the older heads, you know, retire or, you know, stuff like that. It'll, it'll become more of a, that's just the way it is. And I think we're right now in that transition period of, you know, the quote unquote unwritten rules. So, yeah. um, talking about now actual written rules that are down, uh, that have been around for just this year. Uh, we've seen now these rules, uh, play out, uh, throughout the year, whether it be the, uh, extra inning rule, the seven inning double header rule, the three pitch or three batter minimum rule, all that stuff. Um, what are some of the rules that you have liked seeing, and what are some of the rules that you don't like seeing? Yeah, so I guess starting with the three batter minimum rule, I haven't even honestly noticed that any. I haven't been watching a game and been like, oh wow, this relief pitcher's faced three batters in a row. Like it hasn't even come to mind. Right. So I think that that's kind of been a real seamless kind of transition. Um, probably not for the coaches because they're the ones that are kind of <laughs> strategizing the game. But as a fan, just kind of watching baseball, I haven't once thought that like, oh wow, they they're letting him face three batters, or oh wow, you know, like they didn't take this guy out after one hitter. So I think. As a as a product and as a as a game to watch, I think it's been kind of seamless for that. So I, I don't really mind the, the three batter minimum. Um, the the whole kind of starting runners at second base. Uh, when the season first started, I was like, oh wow, this is really exciting. Um, you know, this is this is this kind of injects like a real sense of urgency into extra inning games, where a lot of times extra inning games get kind of boring after a while. But um, it's, it's weird. I'm seeing kind of, you know, when I check like the MLB app and I'm going through like box scores or something like that and I'll see a game like in the bottom of the 11th or like the bottom of the 12th and I'm like, oh, wow, like no one has still scored yet. And it's like the 12th inning, you know, right. you, with, with this kind of second inning, with, with this kind of man at second base rule, you expected this thing to be over by, you know, the bottom of the 10th, you know. Yeah. So um, uh, I'm still kind of on the fence about that. You know, uh, I do think it injects a lot of urgency into the game. Um but it's not really it doesn't seem I don't know I'd have to look at the statistics behind it but it doesn't seem like it's really wrapping up games you know uh, earlier than before I haven't seen any like 18 inning games this right, season I or think, 17 yeah, inning games I game. think that's the thing is like you're always going to have those 10 11 inning games no matter what you do I think it's the like you said 17 18 inning games that you're they're trying to avoid and yeah you're right I don't remember any of those games off the top of my head this year cuz usually when you know, a, t- a game goes like that into like the 18th inning. Usually, that's all over like a Sports Center or uh, you know uh, something yeah. like night or the next morning. But um, yeah, that that's a rule that I I kind of enjoy. And for a lot of people that say they miss the old school kind of um, small ball, I think that's the perfect time where you know Angels have tried to bunt people over, but they have gotten but they've played teams who have successfully buttoned people bunt people over and then you know sack fly or some right. kind of like contact play or whatever so in, in a way it's kind of bringing that back even for like a small kind of you know uh inning or two but uh how uh how about the other rules as far as like i said um uh uh well the dh i guess is a big one too uh yeah i feel about the universal dh so far with uh an nl and al both having them 
Yeah, I mean, that's another thing I haven't really noticed. You know, obviously, I'm kind of an AL guy being an Angels fan. Um, so it's when you say like universal DH, it's not really something that I, I notice too much. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, um, I think it also I think the players union will be all for it, too, because then it gives guys, uh, you know, a whole additional league, um, you know, guys that are kind of, um, you know, at the end of their career and can't really play a position. Uh, it gives them kind of more viability and more kind of um signability if you got a you know a 38 year old guy or a 35 year old guy that needs a needs a job you know there's always a national league team now that can pick him up and add him as a dh um so yeah i mean i i'm kind of all for the universal dh kind of always been for it um you know having pitchers bat never been a fan of um the whole kind of argument that there's more strategy um in a national league game where you're kind of like doing the double switch and Kind of all that stuff. I mean, I, I could see how some fans would miss that because there is a kind of a little bit of added strategy. And the thing about National League games is that you did see kind of like more uh, players over the course of a game. You'd have like, you know, people coming off the bench. The bench would be kind of like, you know, depleted by the end of a game, especially a, a long National League right. game. You know, you'd have you wouldn't have anybody on the bench left to come in and play. Uh, whereas now with the Universal DH, you know, you might get someone pinch it if someone gets hurt or, you know, whatever it is that happens usually in the American League. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. That being said, I'm all for the the Universal DH. Um, I think it's definitely here to stay. Out of the new rules that are here to stay, I definitely think it's the Universal DH, the three batter minimum. Uh, you know, we'll see about the runner at second base. But my feeling is that it'll probably stay, you know, for better or for worse um, moving forward. And the only thing about I've said it with the batter at, at second base, like I don't mind the rule. I understand why people have an issue with it, but for 2020, it makes sense because you have all these games in such a short amount of time. But if they are going to move forward with it, you know, 2021 and beyond, um, I wouldn't be opposed. And I don't know how you feel about it, but possibly moving it to let's say at the beginning of the 13th inning, where you at least give the guys a chance to win it the normal way in the 10th, 11th, yeah. and 12th. And then once you hit the 13th inning, um, then, you, okay, now we got to start really wrapping it up now because of the, like we mentioned before, the whole 18, 19 inning games. But I wouldn't be, I, I hope if they do, if they do keep the uh, base as, uh, runner at second base, ghost runner type thing, that it is kind of tweaked and maybe pushed back to the 13th or like 14th inning or something like that. Yeah, I, I could see that. And, you know, I, I think I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd be fine with that. The only thing that I worry about with this runner at second base thing is um, extra inning games in the postseason. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how how much of a fan I'd be. Well, with, I don't think uh, you know, in the postseason this year. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they are. But if, but moving forward, if they yeah. do do something like that, um, yeah, I'd be a little, be a little skeptical right. about that because you know you could have a very um, cheap ending to a game. You know, where it's like a, a little, you know, a little, you know. Um, someone kind of strafes a little bloop yeah. into the into you know shallow center field and the game's over you know so um, yeah that that's that, that would only be my only concern but I think they would be kind of crazy to do that yeah and I think they'll, they'll probably kind of borrow from the uh, NHL hockey where you know in, in a regular season game you have shootouts after a full period of, of overtime where and then in the, in the playoffs right. where you'll have these classic you know, four overtime games because you're not going to let it uh, something like a shootout determine uh, playoff game. So I can see something like that where okay, this is the this is the rule for the season. But once we get into the uh, playoffs, uh, you guys just go until someone actually has a legit 
you know, uh, uh, walk off or, or, or scores a scores a run in the, you know, 15th inning or whatever. So, uh, right, right. something to kind of pay attention to during the off season, but another rule that I want to get you to talk about, um, that is for this year and, and has had whispers about next year is the expanded playoffs. Um, like I said, obviously we know the expanded playoffs are here for this year. Uh, I think there was some news came out about a week ago, maybe a little bit less than that about the owners really liking it and possibly bringing it back for next year. Uh, how do you feel about the expanded playoffs this year? And how do you feel about the expanded playoffs maybe going moving forward? Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've really had to think about, um, you know, more so than kind of a lot of the other things that are going on. Um, you know, obviously for this year, the shortened season, I think it's fine because, you know, if a if a really good team had had gotten off to a bad start and didn't make the playoffs, um, you, you know, I think that would have been people would have been upset about that. So but the expanded season in a 60 game season, I think it works because, you know, it gives the, I mean, the Yankees had, who had been struggling, um, up until last week, you know, were kind of on the verge of yeah, not hanging on. Right. So, but you know, now they've kind of solidified their spot, but yeah, I think it was, it, it was installed to kind of, um, prevent a, a really good team from kind of not making the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, projecting into 2021, um, you know, Manfred seems to be, you know, in, in the pocket of the owners, you know, it's kind of whatever the owners want. It seems to be Manfred wants, you know, he's kind of their, uh, He's kind of their their kind of um, they pay kind of, they yeah. pay a salary so that may, that kind of right. makes sense exactly <laughs> I was just, I was just getting to that yeah I mean he's kind of at the he's kind of at the mercy of them regardless so um, you know whatever they kind of stipulate or want is going to be the kind of the rule of the land but um, yeah I. You know, as so as an Angels fan, I, I like it a lot because then that gives us kind of a, a bigger chance to get into the playoffs with Mike Trout and try to shake things up and, and see what happens. Um, you know, but the the kind of older baseball fan in me um, doesn't like it as much. Um, you know, I still like the idea that you have to fight and scrap to get into the playoffs. Um, I worry that in a 162 game season, and if there's 16 playoff spots, that you might have days or, you know, uh, where players get rested because the team knows that they're pretty much a lock for the playoffs. So you're going to have lineups that go out there that, you know, look like a bench lineup or like a triple A right. lineup because we're kind of getting ready for the postseason. Um, so I think I think if you expand the playoffs, it cheapens kind of the marathon of 162 game season um, in a way. I think if they were going to do something like this, um, an expanded playoffs for 162 game season, I think they'd want to add like a buy for like the first, like the like the one, the two one seeds, um, just to make sure that like you know they don't get kind of, uh, I mean, just to make sure there's some incentive to keep winning and to win big during 162 games because otherwise people will just coast into the playoffs and be like, yeah, you know, we lost this series, we lost that series, but there's eight spots, you know, we're, we're going to get in anyway, but. Um, yeah, I think I think they want to add some sort of buy, first round buy, something like that for maybe like the first two seeds or for number one seed or something like that. Uh, yeah, but I'm still really on the fence about it. You know, if you had asked me this question ten years ago, I think I would have been like, no, that's crazy. I hate the NBA. <laughs> I hate the NHL. How like these really bad teams get into playoffs and oh my gosh, like the NBA, the NBA season lasts forever because the playoffs are so long and, you know, there's no need to, for an eight seed to play a one seed in the playoffs to prove anything, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's the point of 162 game season is that teams have enough of a sample size to have proven themselves enough to compete in the postseason. I think that's, what's made baseball uh, really good. But 
then again, you know, you think about expanding the product and making the product kind of more interesting to more people. If you expand the playoffs, um, you have teams with fan bases like the Detroit Tigers that are like, oh, man, we could actually be in this. So then you have more engagement kind of across the league with different fans of different teams that previously might not have been engaged because they're like, OK, well, we're not getting into a wild card spot this season. So um, there's 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 definitely, you know, pluses and minuses. I think as I get older, I think I care less. Um, you know, I just want to watch baseball and I want to I want people, <laughs> more people, more people to be interested in it. Um, you know, I'm not as hardcore about kind of, you know, how many see how many uh, playoff teams there are and stuff. But I'm still leaning on the fence of like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want it. But if they were going to do it, they need to kind of tweak it a bit. They, they can't just have a one seed going and playing the eight seed. Um, I, I would be really against that because that just leaves too much to chance. This one seed has literally proven themselves over 162 games. Um, and now there's the possibility that an eight seed beats them. I don't know. Some people might hear me say that and be like, yeah, well, isn't that exciting? And I'm like, yeah, but it I don't depends know. on who the team you're rooting for is. If it's, <laughs> if you're the favorite, that's, that's just killed. Like, I guess my biggest thing, especially this year with the extended playoffs, there is no buys. The one plays the eight, but in a three-game yeah. series, which these wild card series are going to be, you know, Rough. It, it you know it would suck for you know you as a fan like yeah my team's dominated all year and then next thing you know you have one bad bad outing by your ace and then maybe you now because it's best of three maybe now in the game two you lose on a, like you mentioned like a bloop single or, or something crazy like yep. that yep. um you know so yeah i think if they're going to keep the um the extended playoffs they need to tweak it a little bit give these guys that have worked hard for those first spots like you mentioned a buy or something like that but yeah i'm not a fan of hey one verse eight and guess what if you don't get off to that that first game means so much to yeah, yeah. a series like that where if your ace struggles and i mean i don't care who you are um you, pitchers have bad outings and if it's there then you you know your whole season is pretty much shot yeah, I think the one seed either has to get a bye or they have to expand to a, to more than a three game series. But then you're talking about the NBA playoffs where it's like, you know, every series, you know, the eight versus one seed, I think is a, in the NBA. It's like a five game series, right? Then the, for the eight for the eight V one. Yeah. No, well, the whole the whole yeah, the whole first like playoff round they're calling it is is, is best out of three, then goes best out of five and then best out right, of seven for right. the, uh, uh, the championship series and the World Series. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the whole three game series thing kind of spooks me a little bit. If I was a Dodger fan, especially if I'm a Dodger fan, <laughs> just because of how kind of um, you know uh, unpredictable they are in the postseason. You know, um, so right now the Dodgers are set to play the Reds, and you know I was saying earlier, but that Reds rotation of Sonny Gray exactly. and Trevor Bauer and stuff, it's like, man, in a three game series, that could be anybody. So. Yeah. Um, like yeah, it'll it, be. It, it would it be? It's, it's not unheard of because I don't know about. I, I heard Walker Bueller was, has been injured. I don't know if he still is or not. But w it wouldn't be shocking if you see, you know, Trevor Bauer beat Kershaw and then Sonny Gray beat, you know, uh, Bueller or whoever the number two is. Like that's not going to shock anybody. So it's like right, right. What, what you know? Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be really interesting to see how that works out with the. Um, extended playoffs how do you like that that format though as far as um it, it's come out the schedule where it's like they're playing games every single game every single day 
and they're not going to have like travel days because you don't need to because of the uh, kind of the bubble, the bubble. As- aspect of it where all the AL teams are going to be um, here in California, uh, either at uh, in San Diego or at Dodger Stadium, and then the NL teams are going to be in Texas at those two stadiums. How do you like the bam, 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 the game, a game pretty much every single day? Yeah, I mean, as a fan, you know, I'm going to say I like it. You know, obviously, um, if you're going to give me playoff baseball every day, um, I'm going to be locked in. Um, but, you know, as, as, you know, as a player and for the teams and stuff, I'm not sure, you know, how – you know, you know, you're going to have bullpens that are going to get really taxed if, if especially, you know, you have a situation where, you know, a starter goes two or three innings and then you got to get length out of your bullpen or this guy needs to rest or, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, it's it's going to be a little tricky for for some of these teams to kind of really um, I think they're ro- I think you're going to see a lot of rosters get really kind of pushed to the max and, and really get tested um, with that. But, you know, as a fan, I think. I think I'm all for it. Um, you know, I, I think it'll be great to see to see kind of playoff baseball every game. Um, you know, and, and the thing that I hope with this expanded playoffs is I hope that it'll be interesting. You know, I, I hope that um, each game feels like a playoff game. I don't want to kind of enter into it and be like, hmm, this, uh, you know, this this Marlins Padres three game series. <laughs> You know, game game two was kind of whatever, you know, it didn't really feel like an MLB post, you know, playoff game. You know, it, it probably will. But um, I worry that with all these teams, it might feel a little, a little different. Bit. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see. But either way, I'm really excited to see how this shakes out. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of kind of unexpected things that happen. You know, a team a team sneaking through. Um, isn't out of the question, um, you know, a team like, like the Blue Jays, you know, sneaking through, you know, right now the Blue Jays are slotted to play the, the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round. Um, you know, that three game series could kind of go either way, you know, any of these, any of these three first three game series could go either way. So, um, you know, you could see the Astros, you know, right now the Astros are slated to play the A's in the first round. So that'll be really interesting. Um, if that holds, um, then that would be, that'd be crazy to see. So, <laughs> Yes, super excited. Yeah, and one more thing about the it's kind of a bubble, not really a bubble. It's not going to be as strict as the NBA bubble was, but these guys are going to be kind of isolated in the single cities. How do you like it? I mean, obviously for 2020, this is kind of how they do it, but how do you like it how you know, you're over there, you guys play over these stadiums, and, and, and you guys play over here at these stadiums, so you don't really get a full-on home uh, field advantage? Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, you know, I think, yeah, the, the American League teams are playing in National League ballparks and, and vice versa. You know, I, I think that's fine. I, I have no no issue with that. I think some stadiums, I think like the ballpark in Arlington, the new ballpark there, I think they're trying to get uh, sell some tickets to get fans to come to the World Series. Right. But um, yeah, and I'm not sure if any of the other bubble cities are going to do that, sell like a limited amount of tickets for the playoffs. But um yeah, it'd be really weird to see kind of a, a a World Series without any fans in attendance. But um, but I mean, yeah, you got to do what you got to do to prevent <clears throat> prevent COVID, COVID and all that. So, um, but if yeah, I mean, I think I think you might see limited fans uh, in Arlington um, for the World Series. I, I bet I bet that they do that. You know, it's a new it's a new ballpark, brand new ballpark. They want to show it off, um, and especially showing it off during the World Series would be pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm fine with the bubble with the bubble cities and and teams playing there. Honestly, you know it's 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 baseball. You know they're gonna the, the games are gonna play out wherever they are. Um, 
you know, I, you know, the, the NBA has been able to do that. The NBA teams haven't really had any sort of like home court advantage or anything like that. And, you know, the playoffs have gone kind of as we expected them to apart from the Clippers, but yeah. we won't talk too much, too much <laughs> about that. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. So, okay. Last question I'm going to have for you today. Um, 2020 season will be remembered. How? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, 2020 season will be remembered as just kind of, I think when we look back on it, I think we're going to think of like how crazy, how crazy of a season it was, you know, 60 games, um, really kind of a, a, a quick kind of sprint to the, to the finish line. Um, I think there's going to be um, teams that, that kind of squeeze through in the postseason that you weren't expecting. Um, I think when it's all said and done, I think that the World Series champion isn't going to be someone we didn't expect. I think it's going to be, you know, one of Tampa, San Diego, Dodgers, Braves, um, you know, athletics, uh, you know, if if the White Sox win the World Series, um, <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. And I could see some people being like, oh, you know, that that season was really wild. But honestly, I think people will look back on it and be like, yeah, you know, we only played 60 games, but, you know, the Dodgers still won or, you know, whoever still won. And it was it was legitimate. And um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's going to be too much of an asterisk anymore. Honestly, I think I think the season has kind of played out as as it should have and, and kind of the teams that have been good have kind of risen to the top apart from, you know, the Marlins being kind of a surprise and a, and a couple others. But other than that, it's kind of the batch of teams that we thought were going to be good. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be looked back on as just kind of a, a weird kind of shortened season. But um, I think people will, will, will look back and, and, and say, you know, I think the team that, that won the world series was legitimate. You know, the other thing too, is that I think people will look back on some stats you know, and, and they'll be going through the years and seeing some stats and being like, oh, wow, like Mike Trout only hit like, you know, 18 or 20 home runs that year. That's weird. You know, I, think, <laughs> I think that's kind of the bigger effect of it is some of these career numbers. You're going to have to look back on them and be like, oh, but, you know, he could have had he could have had 600 home runs. But, you know, that 20 that 2020 season really kind of like stopped him from getting to 600. You know, I think that's that's maybe the biggest thing is that some of these individual numbers um, you know, you're going to say, oh, you know, such and such pitcher could have hit 300 w- victories or 250 wins. But, you know, that 2020 season really kind of uh, shortened things. So, right. you know, if Mike, if Mike Trout ends up with 575 and not 600 for his career, <laughs> you know, you can you can look back in 2020. No, that's a good point. It's something we probably won't know the effects of until later down the road when you're right. Those milestones will come up because, you know, if, if Albert. If Albert is playing 2020 when he's younger, you know, does he end up reaching 661 and 662, you know, down right. the road? So that's definitely something uh, to keep an uh, eye out for way down the road. But again, uh, Mike, I want to thank you for joining me on the on the podcast. You guys can check him out on Big League Chewing. Um, anywhere you get this podcast, you can get his podcast. Definitely check it out again. His is more MLB. Uh, you know, talk more MLB than a specific team. He does have guests on from uh, certain teams and kind of they focus on that one team. But uh, generally, it's, it's an MLB podcast. Definitely check it out again. It's Big League Chewing, and you can get that podcast anywhere you get this one. And you can definitely check him out on Twitter also, at ChewingCast on Twitter. Again, that's at ChewingCast on Twitter. Michael, thank you very much uh, for your time, and I really appreciate it. Hey, Dan, always a, always a great time to talk Angels and talk MLB and, and everything. So thanks for having me again. 
and we will be back Wednesday with our normal podcast. Johnny, uh, myself, uh, Chris, we'll be back Wednesday. Make sure you get all your questions in uh, at our email at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Until then, I am Dan Garcia, and we will talk to you uh, Wednesday. Have a good one. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. 
So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.